At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business every day are nothing short of heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. Like the breaking ground on new construction things, the every box and barcode matters things, and the driving the family business forward things. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you. The SLE Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at slepodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. And now, a beauty production presents the most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 58. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we are coming back from the NFL draft. Something, finally, sports-related in the sports world, something occurring. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, it is back. Uh, although there won't be anything for another couple months, most likely. But how excited were you to have the NFL draft back? You know, pretty excited. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, you know, sports hasn't been around for a while. So, you know, the draft is pretty entertaining. Uh, I usually only watch the first round. I didn't really uh, pay attention in the past to the second and third rounds and all that. Uh, the first round is really where the spectacle is. You know, they get the jerseys. They hate the, shake the commissioner's hands. Um but I don't know. There was just something about it being online this year that made it a little bit more relatable. Uh, it made it a little bit easier to follow. Um, and just the fact of seeing, you know, what they tried to do. And like we said, ESPN did a really good job. Um, you know, doing it online, I feel like made a big difference. And I found myself tuning in every day. I mean, I have watched the entirety of day two and day three, but I found myself tuning in, paying attention to who was getting picked. Um, you know, we were talking about it before that. Tom Brady leaves New England, and even though he's still going to a team that's still kind of a favorite to win it all, I feel like that doesn't make the Patriots the favorites anymore to win the Super Bowl. Um, and the fact that Tom Brady's going to Tampa Bay kind of gives some uncertainty too. So I feel like the league is wide open, and a lot of teams had a lot of holes to fill. Um, so I feel like this was a draft that was pretty heavy in wide receivers. There's a bunch of talent going around. So it was just exciting to have some kind of sports coverage back, plus the fact that a lot of teams could fill the holes that they needed in this draft class. Yeah, and you know, hats off to ESPN. It's it's not an easy thing what they had to do uh, as they're doing it live to the best of their ability. I think there was a little bit of a slight delay uh, with trying to get everything. But, you know, everything that had to be done, you're doing it online and you're making it work to the best of your ability. So ESPN, a phenomenal job. And I'm sure it was probably one of the more watched drafts when you consider the circumstances of everything going on. Um with that being said, you know, it was a pretty quiet draft among trades. We saw one happen with San Francisco and, and Tampa Bay. Uh, but that was, again, the 13th and 14th, and San Fran was expected to make a trade. But we really didn't see much as far as the first round goes to what we could have expected or what could have been a possibility. Uh, do you think the fact that because everyone with social distancing, with being on a live draft, with only one person being in the room that we saw of the GM and the coaches at home play a factor in teams having the ability to make a trade? Uh, you know, I think you can make an argument for it and against it. Um, I think the fact that, um, you know, they they were saying how only three people were allowed to make the pick in case there was a technical difficulty um, for one of the people involved. You know, it was the head coach, the GM, and somebody else. Um, so you can make an argument that, you know, it did impact trades because usually when you're drafting, there's a draft room or a war room and there's a bunch of people giving you their advice. Um, so I know a lot of people were saying it could make it simpler because you're not, you know, getting crazy advice from every which way. But like you said, it can impact the draft because if you're not thinking about trading any, anybody, it's not going to pop into your mind. Everybody says that they're open to trading and they're always fielding phone calls. But the reality is if I don't suggest to you, hey, there's this person in the later round that's still that will still be hanging around if we trade back you're not going to think about it it's not going to cross your mind however i think in this year's draft i think a lot of people were content to stay where they were um uh you know you saw the dolphins they didn't trade up for tua 
even though Detroit and the Giants were like, hey, you know, we're open to trading back if you traded us your picks. You know, nobody wanted to overreach. And I feel like that was also a smart plan, too, because if you're the Dolphins, you know the Lions aren't going to take Tua. You know the Giants aren't going to take Tua, even though there was rumors that they were interviewing Justin Herbert all week. Um, you know, th- those are just smoke screens. And when you're a GM and you can identify what a smoke screen is and realize teams are just trying to trade back, um, I think a lot of teams that needed QBs uh, were content with where they were. And I think the teams that also needed QBs, you know, or wanted QBs like the Raiders, like the Packers, they were too far out to trade up within the top five in order to, um, you know, to try and trade their picks. I mean, even the Giants said it and the Lions said it, said it too. Uh, and even Washington said it. Ron Rivera said we were interested in trading back, but, you know, some teams that wanted to trade up were way too far and they needed an impact player. So I think a lot of teams were just satisfied with where they were in the order. Okay. Um, no, I agree with you there. Uh, I think there was a reason why there wasn't that many trades. I think only teams that knew they were going into the draft wanted to make a trade in the first round, like San Francisco, uh, clear as day. Uh, we'll get into Green Bay, of course, later on. Um, but before we get into the, the big part of the draft, I uh, want to talk about something that had happened prior to the draft, and that was a player coming out of retirement and getting traded in Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Gronkowski coming out of retirement, joining the New England Patriots, and then traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to reunite with Tom Brady. And I think that's you know an interesting move by Gronk wanting to play with Brady again, the Bucs getting it done as well. Uh, really kind of twisting the arm of the Patriots with Gronkowski's contract. And, you know, how much of an impact could Gronk have on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You know, this is going to be interesting, right? Because, you know, Gronkowski, obviously a dynamic tight end slash wide receiver when he was in New England. Also, Nick, you forgot to mention he's a WWE 24-7 champion. You can't leave that out. Um, yes, you know, he's been in the gym, def- you know, trying to pump the iron to defend his title. But in all seriousness, uh, you know, he was a fantastic tight end and wide receiver. Um, however, you know, he took a year off and there's going to be some rust there. And you hear people say it all the time. It's not a fact of being in shape. It's a fact, it's a fact of being in game shape. Uh, there's no doubt that Gronkowski is still in shape. I mean, just look at him. But the question is, when he gets to practice and he put those pads on and he takes that first hit, it's all about getting the rust off. So I think kudos to Gronkowski to decide that he wants to do this now before training camp that way I think by the time you know preseason is over with and it rolls around to week one if we start on time he should be back in playing shape and game shape and that football rush should be worn off um, I think he can have a huge impact I mean we all know Tom Brady loves the tight end position uh, OJ Howard has kind of been underperforming um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see if the, t- if the Buccaneers roll with both of them on the field to start the season or is Gronkowski you know, tight end one on the depth chart. Uh, what happens to O.J. Howard from here? Uh, we know the Bucks have some really talented wide receivers in Godwin and Evans, um, but Brady loves that tight end position, and why not bring in a guy who he's very, very familiar with? Uh, so I think Gronkowski could have a huge impact in giving Brady another option to throw. If you're Tom Brady, you want to win the Super Bowl. You know you're 43 years old. You know that window is closing faster than you realize, and Brady knows that. So he wants to make sure he has all his bases covered. And if he can do that by having Gronkowski, which is a little bit of an upgrade over O.J. Howard at the moment, because O.J. Howard, I think, still has potential, then Brady's going to go do that. And I think Gronk could play a huge role in terms of giving a lot of other teams another target to cover when they're playing the Buccaneers. The SND Podcast channel could be listened to on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, SNDblog.com. We could also be found on all of the social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget, since you love our show so much, make sure to rate, review, and of course, share with all your family and friends. Jose, on the flip side, for the Patriots, when they traded Rob Gronkowski, they didn't really get much in return. You figured they would get O.J. Howard when you consider how many tight ends the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. And on top of that, they didn't even get a high draft pick. Um, do you think the Patriots got enough or are you starting to question Bill Belichick at some points when it comes to trades? You know, I think the 
the level of the pick is accurate. You know, you're not going to get a first or second rounder for Rob Gronkowski, especially since he's been on the sideline for a year. Um, do I think they probably could have gotten a third rounder? Maybe, but a fourth rounder seems about right. Um, I definitely thought the Patriots would have at least asked for OJ Howard or at least one of their tight ends to fill the spot. Um, but I think this is one of those scenarios where Bill Belichick, you know, he's the kind of guy where it's like, if you don't want to be here, I'll find a way for you to get out of here. Um, and I do kind of like that opinion as well, too. I mean, you can't have guys that don't want to be on the team taking up a roster spot, especially if they're not going to be giving it their all. I'm not saying Rob Gronkowski is going to do that. But for Bill Belichick, you know, it's not one of those things where it's like, if I don't trade Gronkowski, he's going to stick around. Gronkowski made it clear that he was only coming out of retirement if he can play with Tom Brady. So Belichick's hands were a little bit tied here. It's either I cannot trade him and end up with no picks and end up with Gronkowski not playing at all, staying retired, getting paid by us, or... I can flip Gronkowski over for anything that the Buccaneers would give me, and I can use that pick to help strengthen my defense. So I think at the end of the day, um, Bill Belichick's hands were kind of tied. Again, I think if Gronkowski was an active player, maybe he would have tried for more or would have been like, I don't have to trade you. But I feel like in this scenario, he felt like he had to trade Gronk um, or lose out on a chance to get an extra draft pick. Uh, Whether I question Belichick, you know, I learned not to question him over the years. Um, You know, he's made some head scratchers of moves. But also, you know, when you look at some of the other moves he made, there's a lot of different scenarios that were involved in that as well, too. So, you know, I just think Belichick is a guy who trusts his system. He trusts his draft picks. You know, he hasn't really failed too many times before. Um, So when in doubt, you got to trust Bill Belichick. I think, and I'm not going against Bill Belichick here, um, but there comes a time where the elites from prior get too stuck in prior ways. And the best way I could put it is taking like comparisons of like Phil Jackson. And Phil Jackson being one of the greatest NBA coaches to then as you saw him slowly finish with the Lakers to then having to go into the Knits role, it didn't quite roll. Um and yes, you can tell me the Lakers were awful at that point, and it was the end of the Kobe Bryant era, and you can say the Knits are the Knits, and you can win your argument that way easily. Um, but even like Greg Popovich, you know, there's you know signs that the Spurs are not what they once were compared to like a Steve Kerr who knew in the league. And we see that more in the NFL as well. The, the new coaches are embraced. And we can see how good they've been. And we don't see much change in Bill Belichick. What we've seen lately, or at least what fans are seeing lately, is they see Tom Brady walk away. They see Rob Gronkowski traded for nothing. They see Jimmy Garoppolo traded for nothing. They see Kobe Brissett traded for nothing. Uh, They see drafts that are constantly missed. And in a league where playmakers are the biggest thing and quarterbacks are the biggest thing, we have a coach... Um, who's the greatest coach of all time, refused to take a quarterback and refused to add a playmaker to his team. And I don't know if it's either one of two ways that this is going to go down for the New England Patriots this season. It's they're looking to tank, and if they get Trevor Lawrence, good God, help everybody in the league. Um, <laughs> or... They just look at the team and they say we have one of the best defenses in the league and we have a young uh, young group of quarterbacks in the division. And Bill Belichick has a history of beating young quarterbacks so that they don't feel completely out of it no matter what quarterback they have. Um, does it seem like the Patriots could be t- in the role of tanking or they're in the role of everything is just fine, just stay the course? You know, I think it's a little bit of both when it's all said and done. I think if you're Bill Belichick, why not roll the dice here, right? Um, Like you said, best defense last year. Trust me, I got burned by them more than once in fantasy football. uh, of them putting up almost 30 points in my matchup. Um, Great defense. And, you know, you know the saying, defense wins championships. So when you look at the QB depth chart for the Patriots, you know, Stidham, I don't know. There's still a lot of question marks about him. But what I look for is the veteran guy on that side, Brian Hoyer. Can you still win football games with Brian Hoyer? And 
The question is actually you probably can, as long as the defense keeps you within game. I mean, Hoyer is a veteran backup. He's not just one of those backups where, okay, well, he's just there just to be there in case of an injury. Hoyer has still started for teams that are in a stopgap system where you know they're still looking for their QB of the future or they're still trying to coach up their next QB. So if the Patriots really wanted to, they can go out there and win some games. Now, if the division was a little bit easier, I feel like maybe they'd push on and still try and win. But you got to admit, the AFC East did get better. The Bills traded for Stephon Diggs, which is a huge weapon for Josh Allen to have. Their defense is also pretty good. I like what the Jets did in the draft this year. And let's just face it, the Jets are a lot better last year if, you know, Darnold isn't missing with Mono for five weeks. I strongly believe that. I still don't like Adam Gase as a head coach, but not having Sam Darnold for five to six weeks makes a huge difference. Um, you know, and then you look at uh, the Miami Dolphins. I don't expect them to be a factor this year in terms of winning the division, but they also didn't tank last year either. Their defense was pretty good still. So I think they're still building down there. And when it's all said and done, this could be a competitive division, not to the point where all four teams are aiming for the AFC spot. Cause I don't think Miami will be close to that. I think Miami will be hovering around the fourth or third place spot, but I still think you're going to see some competitive in division games factor in the Patriots have one of the hardest schedules this year. I mean, that's not exactly a perfect mindset to be going into for the Patriots. So I think it's a little bit of both. They're going to try and compete because I just don't think it's the Patriots way to lie over and roll over and just let people walk all over them. But is Bill Belichick going to complain if they tank and have a terrible record? I don't think so. Um, like you said, God help us if Trevor Lawrence ends up in the Patriots. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> Bill Belichick won't have to retire. He'll have another quarterback for the next 20 years. Um yeah, there's a lot of question marks I have with New England on this part. Uh, we'll jump into a little bit of the NFL draft now. Uh, the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants. We mentioned trades. There weren't really much going on uh, in the draft. But these are two teams that easily could have traded down a little bit. And they missed their opportunity. And do you think that they really should have been hunting more on the trade route? For the Lions and Giants? Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's a very interesting dilemma, right? Because like I said, prior to the draft, the lions are not a great team, but they're not a terrible team either. They're kind of just poorly run. And I feel like the lions aren't a real third draft pick team. They definitely had a lot of close losses last year, which resulted in them piling up their loss column. But at the same time, they still have a guy in Matthew Stafford. They did trade away key pieces on their defense, but you can argue that they replenished that in the draft. So I think the Lions, they're a little bit of an interesting case because they certainly could have traded back and still retooled their team. Um, but I'm not going to argue what they did either. Uh, same thing for the Giants. I know, I think the Giants made a lot of good picks, especially defensively this year. Um, they definitely loaded up on the linebackers. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I can't argue with the team not trading back if there was no likely scenario. Because the last thing you want to do is trade so far back where you're not getting anybody impactful. I know this draft class was deep, but I can't blame these two teams for not finding a spot that they wanted to go to because other teams weren't as aggressive. So I, I'll take the Lions as the first example. You have Jeff Okuda, the best cornerback, and probably the second best or third best player, depending on how you view Joe Burrow or not, uh, going into the draft. They take him at what really is the best player available at three. You have, you know, Matt Patricia who views Derek Brown, who goes seventh, as the player he wants. Uh, the GM wants Jeff Kuda. Either way, you can trade down to five, to six, and add an extra pick. It, it could be in the third. It could be in the fourth round. It doesn't have to be you know, multiple first-round pits from the Miami Dolphins to just get to third. Uh, you can still get the player you want. And if you don't get the player you want in Jeff Kuda, if you're the GM, you still get the player that the coach wants in Derek Brown. And you still get an extra pick. And, you know, is, you know, making the trade sometimes even better. Because how much higher do we view... Um, the Lions, if they traded with the Dolphins or if they traded with the Chargers, and now they're sitting at the Sitzpith, and they still get Jeff Fatuda, 
the best cornerback and the second best player behind Chase Young going into this draft, uh, you know, it stands out a bit more. It looks more of a winning draft. It, yes, it, it, it looks sexier than what they just did, but you have an extra pick with it. Or maybe you have a pick on next year as well, and you get like a, a fourth and a, a third type of thing. Just something small and an extra piece. Uh, for the Giants, I mean, they're uh, truly they're my ups- most upsetting one because they go with like what I view as like the third best tackle, and they take him with the fourth pick in the draft. So they easily could have traded down, and you could have even talked about they could have traded as far back as like going to like Jacksonville at nine if Jacksonville was considering a quarterback, and you still would have gotten the tackle of your choice. And you could have gotten even an extra pick instead of just going down to like five or six. You're talking about Jacksonville could have had a part ways with even a better round pick than a Chargers or a Dolphins. So I, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities there by both the Lions and Giants, especially when you consider who they drafted um, in those scenarios. I mean, you're you're more of a Giants fan than me. It's your call on if you like Andrew Thomas. <laughs> I mean, you know, he wouldn't have been my choice. Like you said, he is the third or even fourth best offensive lineman in a draft. Um, but when you pass over Werfs and Willis, I think there's got to be a reason why they like him better. I heard a lot of people saying it's because he was a natural right guard as opposed to a left guard who they would have to make play the right guard position. Um, so when they break it down, I can understand the choice. Uh, but time will tell. And hey... As Dave Gettleman said, he's a hog molly. So I think as long as they went offensive line, I was really relieved not to see Isaiah Simmons picked. Even though Simmons is a special player, I know people are going to hate me for that. But I'm glad the Giants went with need over splashy. Again, I don't think, um, as far as like quarterbacks go, though, uh, you know, we'll get into the Giants. I'm going to get into the Giants a little bit later. Uh, they may be my winner or loser of the draft. Uh, but Gee, I wonder which one that is. We'll see. <laughs> uh, as far as quarterbacks, no surprise. Joe Burrow goes first. Uh, Tua, just who the uh, Dolphins were always looking at, as you said, uh, the Dolphins did a good job avoiding the smoke screen. They would maybe thought that we were uh, thinking Justin Herbert was going to go uh, by them. They take him at with the fifth pick. Justin Herbert goes to the Chargers at six. Uh, but we still had some interesting pits among quarterbacks from teams that necessarily didn't need quarterbacks and two of those being the Eagles and the Packers and we'll start with the Eagles uh in the second round they go Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma the former Alabama quarterback and you know this is a little bit surprising and part of their reasoning apparently was with you know due to the coronavirus and a lot of teams worrying about quarterbacks possibly getting it and needing to have a strong elite backup in this scenario, but, you know, for the Eagles, there's a lot more needs that you could have had filled uh, instead of a quarterback in the second round, especially when you have Carlson Wentz. Do you think the health of Carlson Wentz is a factor in taking Jalen Hurts? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. You know, when I, you know, their first round pick ended up being a wide receiver. I'm like, that's good. You know, gets Carson Wentz some help. Uh, You know, uh, Deshaun Jackson was injured a lot last year. Nelson Aguilar had troubles catching the ball. So I think a wide receiver was really a big need for them. Uh, would I have been upset if they doubled up on the wide receivers first and second round? Certainly not. Um, but the fact is that they got one, and that's fine. Uh, what shocked me is then they go ahead and they pick Jalen Hurts. But what this tells me is, like you said, I think they are a little bit worried about the health of Carson Wentz. I mean, and why wouldn't they be? Over the past couple of years, Carson Wentz still has missed time due to injuries. Now, I feel bad calling him injury-prone, considering that some of these injuries are like ribs when he's getting tackled. You know, some of this stuff you just can't control. They're, they're contact injuries. Football is a contact sport. It's not like he's going out and, you know, breaking his finger, you know, making this sandwich or all these other crazy stories that we hear sometimes. Or, you know, he's walking in the airport and he slipped and fell. You know, stuff like that. His injuries are really football-related. Um, but... You know, that doesn't excuse the fact that he's been missing every year. He was missing the year they won the Super Bowl, Nick. I mean, if that doesn't tell you that he's injury prone, I don't know what does. But the point is that the the, the Eagles, to me, are just covering their bases here. I think they always seem to have a QB that can fill in for him, right? When he got hurt, they had Nick Foles. Last year, they had Josh McCowan, who could fill in for him. 
But now you bring in a guy like Jalen Hurts. So instead of going the route of, okay, we're going to get a backup who's a veteran that can play, now you're getting another QB who can, in my opinion, he can play. He was very good at Alabama. He was very good at Ohio State last year. Um, or, I'm sorry, Oklahoma last year. Um, and he can play, and he's a, he's a good QB that can ball out. Now, my question is, how are they going to use Jalen Hurts? Because you don't draft a guy like Jalen Hurts and just let him sit on the sideline waiting for Carson Wentz to get hurt. I think the Eagles observe what was going on in New Orleans, and I think you're going to see a lot of teams go that route of the two QB having them on the field with, you know, like Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, or whether it was Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. I think Jalen Hurts can be that kind of guy. Is he like a receiver? No, but we do know Jalen Hurts is very mobile. So don't be surprised if the Eagles try to incorporate kind of that two QB system where they have Wentz and Hurts who can do a lot of versatile things on the field. But when it's all said and done, um, you know, I think the pressure's on Carson Wentz a little bit here because how long can you keep going with your QB constantly missing for some key um, you know, some key parts of the season, especially when it's playoff time down the stretch? You know, it, it was surprising. I really thought Jalen Hurts was going to be taken by a team that could have been more in a QB competition. Uh, I certainly thought New England was going to consider him. Uh, Jacksonville could have easily made a case for him if they don't trust Darna Minshew. Um, even, you know, if the Chargers were to fall off and not have taken Justin Herbert, that easily puts them in a scenario where, yeah, you can consider Jalen Hurts there. Um, and worst case scenario, you're looking at a quarterback later on, but you still gave it at a predominant player that played phenomenal, uh, one year ago in college. So it is surprising. I, I just, when you look at like Jalen Hurts, we saw... Like when Tua was there, and Tua came in, and Jalen sat on the bench, and Jalen, phenomenal on the fact that like you know he's he is the older player, he lost his job, and he didn't even lose a game to do so. It, it was almost like the Alex Smith um, issue all coming into the same type uh, when we saw Alan Smith, uh, Alex Smith battling with Talon Hopernick, and then with Patrick Mahomes. It's like. Alex Smith didn't play bad. He didn't lose his job because the team was losing. He, and There was just a player that was a little bit better than him in that scenario. Um, and this is seemingly the same way with Jalen Hurts. And if, if you're Jalen Hurts, you really were hoping to go to a team where you were having like a possible QB replacement in the near future or possible QB competition. But... How much does it sting, do you think, to wind up going to Philadelphia for that factor? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it is a little bit of a, anno- you know, it's annoying. I would be annoyed if I was Jalen Hurts, right? Because if you think about it, I don't think Jalen Hurts was going to go to a team and start right away either way, right? I think there are a lot of teams that were interested in him. Let's say a Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Where it's, hey, you know, Ben Loftusberger could be on his way out soon. But if we have you in the wings waiting, learning, it could be a seamless transition for you to just slide in there, right? You know, I think there's a lot of other teams too that have an older quarterback or, you know, that can that he can easily take over for. Um, but I wouldn't say he should be disappointed that he's going to Philly because, again, he's going into a scenario where they have a QB, but that QB has gotten injured in the past. And I'm telling you, Nick, if Carson, Wirtz, uh, Carson Wentz continues to get hurt and if Jalen Hurts comes in and balls out, how can you not deny him the starting position at that point if he stays healthy and he's putting up numbers? So if you're Jalen Hurts, you just have to put your head down and do the work. Um, if you're Carson Wentz, you have to put your head down and make sure you don't get hurt. No pun intended for Jalen Hurts. Okay, so the other team that had the real big QB question, and you knew we were going to have to talk about this, at 26, the Packers traded up to draft quarterback Jordan Love. It continues the mindset of the Packers are refusing to add like the offensive piece for Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers has thrown one touchdown to a first round player in his career. Um, and, and, you know, out of all the pl- uh, places, this would be the least expected when the Packers did so well last season, going 13 and two in the regular season and just missing a shot for the Super Bowl, and if you include the playoffs, they're fourteen and three, and they have two losses to just San Francisco. They're fourteen and once, 
against everyone else in the league. And they didn't really have all the wide receiver help that they could. And in a wide receiver heavy draft, the Packers go and select Jordan Love. If you're Aaron Rodgers, what's your like what would be your mindset on this one? Or a Packers fan also? After drafting Jordan Love? Yeah. I want if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I write a letter to the GM saying, Why do you hate me? <laughs> Why do you hate success? No, you know, it's funny because a lot of people were flipping out, right? Oh, you know, they drafted Jordan Love, blah blah blah. You know, what what are they doing? I didn't have a problem with them drafting Jordan Love. Do I think it was a little bit of a reach in the first round? Yes. But honestly, I also thought the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, sorry, almost called them Oakland. I really thought the Raiders were going to try and sneak in Jordan Love in one of their draft choices. So I'm a little high on Love more than other people are. And I don't blame the logic for the Packers, considering that they did this with Aaron Rodgers, right? Brett Favre was still under contract. And then they drafted Aaron Rodgers, and he sat there, and he waited. They're going to do the same thing with Jordan Love. Now, whether it's going to pan out, we don't know, because it's going to be a while before we see Jordan Love on the field, pending any Aaron Rodgers forcing any trades or anything like that. But that didn't bother me. What bothers me, Nick, is that I think they said some crazy number, like 36 wide receivers were drafted in total uh, for the entire draft, and the Packers didn't draft any of them. I mean— Come on, that's a position of need. You can't just rely on Devontae Adams all the time. Aaron Rodgers needs weapons. And yes, it's true that Aaron Rodgers makes receivers better, but why not throw your QB a bone and give him a wide receiver? There's no excuse why in the second or the third round they can't go to a wide receiver. Instead, they drafted a running back, which I'm not exactly upset with because, as you know, this is a two-running back league anyways. Even though they already have a dominant back, why not have two running backs? But the fact that the Packers don't draft a wide receiver and then, you know, Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas and what they do is they draft a wide receiver in the first round after not drafting a wide receiver ever for the Packers, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a, it's a... It's mixed signals, honestly, because to me, what this draft looked like was you were looking past this year. You weren't drafting for this year. So if I'm a fan, I'm a little confused. Are we planning on winning this year or not? Because you didn't get much help for the current Packers. You got a lot of nice help for the future, but what about now is the question. Yeah, a lot of questionable moves by the Packers on that part, drafting the quarterback and then following the running back. And you already have two great pieces of a quarterback and a running back. Um, you know, th- this seemed like it's it's weird because if you're the Packers, does it feel like they're looking to possibly trade Aaron Rodgers in the future, or they're going to handle this like the Brett Favre situation? Because it's it's different from when Rodgers was taken. Rodgers was a top player. He was a possible first round first pit type guy, and he fell all the way that the Packers had to take him, even though they had Brett Favre. This one is, we're trading up to get a quarterback here. It sends a whole different message on that part. Um, And you go and you add a running back, you don't add a wide receiver, you're basically saying we have all the pieces already uh, to win offensively that you don't need an extra wide receiver because not every team has a Devontae Adams. But... This does feel like the Packers and Rodgers are not going to be on the same page at all this year. Uh, And there's not going to be much of the same page for the near future. But do you think this is is the beginning for the end for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? I mean, I think it is. I mean, and it's, it's funny because if you talk to Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't sound like he's hanging it up anytime soon, right? He's 36 years old and he's saying, well... You know, whoever they draft, even if they draft a quarterback prior to the draft, they're not going to beat me out. And that's true. But I think the question is, what happens when Aaron Rodgers' contract is up? Are are the Packers going to ask him to be like, hey, do you want to continue? Or are they going to move on voluntarily? They did the same thing with Brett Favre. So, and that's a future, I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. So you can argue that the Packers don't care about that. And in a way, I kind of admire them for that, right? Because when you get attached, when you make decisions like that, especially with older players, it can be the wrong choice. And we've seen organizations get burned by that. Um, you know, we've seen teams hang on for too long. So the Packers have made it clear that they're not afraid to cut ties with anybody. Um, but this is a relationship that has kind of been on the rocks for a while now, right? You know, there were times where things were kind of okay between Rodgers and McCarthy. It doesn't look like LaFleur and um, 
Rodgers were on the same page a lot last year, even though they made the playoffs and whatnot. I just don't know how long this is going to last. I have a feeling either one or two things are going to happen. Either Aaron Rodgers is going to ask for a trade, and where he goes, I don't know. Hopefully. I mean, if it's New England, that'd be even crazier. (laughs) But if he doesn't ask for a trade, I think when his contract runs out, we are not going to see Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay uniform ever again. I think before his contract runs out, we may not see Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay uniform. I think there's a possibility he's going to get traded before then. So is he pulling the Brett Favre route? Is he going to Minnesota? Should Kirk Cousins be worried? Uh, you know, Denver's a possibility. The New York Jets? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Jets. Is, is it time for him to send an inappropriate photo? I don't know. if that, Is that where we're at in the stage of uh, Packer quarterbacks? Well, we've had players retire and come back a few times in a row. We we got we could have one that just consistently does it. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> uh, let's go into the other part of this. Uh, you know what? At this draft, left you with like the biggest head scratching moment, so or is biggest, it Green Bay? The biggest. Oh, okay. So the biggest head scratching moment for me. Um, was the Ra- the Raiders kicking it off, kicking off the wide receiver run with Henry Ruggs. Um, very talented player, but if you would have told me Henry Ruggs is going to be the first wide receiver off the board, I would have called you slightly crazy. I know a lot of teams liked him in the athleticism. Uh, I know he's very fast, but to me, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are both a little bit better than Hen- Henry Ruggs. Maybe not by much, but they are the better wide receivers in my opinion. So I think... It wasn't a huge head-scratcher, but I was a little bit confused that the Raiders had their choice of those three, and they went with Ruggs first. So I'm going to go with the um, Jarrett Willis Jr. for the Cleveland Browns. I was really surprised he got he fell so far down uh, to 10 to Cleveland. When you consider the fact that, you know, Jacksonville has – you know, a pretty good offensive line. They wanted to add a cornerback, but especially Arizona. Uh, the Cardinals at eight, I thought this was going to be an easy pick for them to add an offensive tackle, an offensive lineman. Uh, they went with the opposite route. They took Isaiah Simmons, and it just seemed like, you know, what's the first thing you have when you have a really young quarterback like Kyle Murray? Uh, you add pieces in the offseason of DeAndre Hopkins. You still have Larry Fitzgerald. You have Kenyon Drake. You know, you want an offensive line. You want to protect Murray. You want to have him be able to throw the ball to these top wide receivers. You want to create an offensive line that can break open a few gaps for Drake to run on. And the idea that you're going defense, and I'm not against defense. I am certainly was uh, high on Simmons. I didn't think he'd fall to eight, but when... He's available, and still the best offensive player in the draft is available. With a a young quarterback, I think that should have been uh, the Cardinals' move to take instead of Simmons. All right, so who was your winner of the draft? Well, this is going to come as a surprise to a lot of people, and they may not be their winners, but they were one of my winners, is the Carolina Panthers. Um, First-year coach Matt Rule, um, and the Panthers drafted all defensive players, not a single offense player. I do like Derek Brown, and you know, to me, the reason why they're a winner, for in my opinion, is you got to build a defense. To me, the first step, especially when you're drafting, and the Panthers have a lot of needs, right? There's been a lot of turnover there. The Cam Newton era is over. The Ron Rivera era is over. You really, you really want to reestablish some things in that locker room. And what you do is you build a defense. And especially if you build it through the draft, you're bringing in seven rounds worth of players into your locker room that are all around the same age, 21, 22, 23, 24, like that college age, and letting them build together, learn chemistry together, blend with the defense. Remember, a lot of their defensive players who are older are on their way out as well, too. So, you know, Luke Kuechly retiring. So this is a brand new defense for the Carolina Panthers. I love this move. To me, I think it's a lot easier to go out there and spend big money on offensive pieces, on a wide receiver, on a tight end, you know, on a quarterback like they did with Teddy Bridgewater. And plus you extended Christian McCaffrey, and now you have a very cheap, controllable defense to go along with it. 
a lot of people are sleeping on the Panthers this year. I know a lot of people are talking about the Saints as they should. A lot of people are talking about Tampa Bay as they should with Brady and those receivers. But Carolina is going to make some noise. And they're going to be a tough team to beat this year if those guys can gel together and if they can play at their best. Um, you're looking at a defense that could be around for a couple of years here, not just a one- or two-year kind of thing. By drafting, by drafting your defense through the draft, you open that window of winning a little bit more, in my opinion, as they develop. You know, it's tough for me to really uh, pick one, but I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I really got a question whether I'm a, Ca- a Giants fan. <laughs> I mean, he did he did draft from his yacht, so I mean, come on, that's yeah, not a power it, move. I don't know what you, is. You talked about like you know one upping everybody else, <laughs> um, but the Cowboys get CD Lamb, and you know you were high on CD Lamb prior to the draft. Uh, I thought he was the number two wide receiver behind Jerry Judas. He goes third. He goes seventeenth, really behind where anyone kind of figured C.D. Lamb would land. And no, I get it. They don't need a wide receiver. They needed a defensive player in the first round. But this is an offensive league. This is a league where you, the more offensive weapons you have, the better the team you are. Because it doesn't really matter how you know your defense plays sometimes as long as you can keep the ball as long as you have time and possession, and that is one of the things the Cowboys really focus on, and now all of a sudden you have Amari Cooper, you have Givens, and you have C.D. Lamb. You have a phenomenal start of, uh, sorry, not uh, doubt. Uh, you have three wide receivers. You have Zeke. You have Dak Prescott. You, ha- you have a great offensive line still, and this is just you know the nice pieces, and considering where... I feel the Giants were doing, the Eagles going with a quarterback in the second round. Washington still has Dwayne Haskins. When you add a prime playmaker piece in a division of mayhem, you're already off to the right races. And then all of a sudden in the second round, and I'm not going to judge every round, because the fact is, I won't know if the seventh round hits. I won't know if the sixth round hits. And I'm not going to be like a great pit there. But second round, you go and respond, and you get Trevin Dids. You get a defensive player that you wanted. It may not have been like that safety that they could have possibly gotten. But most safeties did fall. You know, some of the uh, safeties that they we were considering on them, they fell in the second round anyway. And when you consider the fact that four safeties went in the second round before them, it's really not an outstanding pick to take a safety there. They went cornerback, and I support that move. And you get the guy from Alabama. And already you get a talented defensive player. And any defensive player from Alabama, I'm going to be head over heels for. The same way I think the Giants had a good one there with Xavier McKinley. But... Uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to go Dallas. You get a playmaker wide receiver. You get a good defensive piece in the first two rounds. You really excelled uh, and do po- got what people consider the best wide receiver and people consider the second best wide receiver in an extremely heavy wide receiver draft class. And not to mention, you know, when you're trying to convince Dak to stay long term, I know for Dak it seems to be the years and the money is the issue. But if you're Dak Prescott, I think it's pretty appealing to know that Amari Cooper and uh, Jerry and I'm sorry and C.D. Lamb are going to be there for the long term. Just saying. Yeah, you you have pieces. You have pieces at the end of the day to excel with. And Jose, who was the real loser of the draft, or who do you think had the worst type draft? Uh, to me, I, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Um, for me, you know, it's it's one of those things where. Um, you know, again, I don't bash the Jordan Love pick. You want to get your QB, go for it. Because I feel like if he would have slid into the second round, you would have seen other teams start to try and take him too. And then you got to trade up high in the second round for it. So I understand that. But what bothered me was that the abundance of wide receivers that were taken in, in the entirety of the draft, and you passed on every single one of them. When Aaron Rodgers needs the help, Jordan Love is not seeing this, the field anytime soon. So the fact that the Green Bay Packers came away with no wide receivers to me, is a really troubling issue. Uh, to me, it just you know, kind of shows the writing on the wall. 
And to me, you know, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty fed up with that. Now, I'm not a fan of like demanding trades or any of that because I don't think the Green Bay Packers have wronged them in that way. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm a little I'm a little pissed off here. Yeah, I think when I think it's the right pitch. Uh, I'm going to hit somebody else, but I will piggyback on yours as well. Um, it's an easy one for us to claim because, you know, the only way we can judge this and say this was a great draft class, uh, move by the Packers is like, what, three years from now when there's no more Rodgers and we see how Love plays and we're like, oh, okay, that's how. And if he plays phenomenal, then it was worth it. Then it, and then we change our mind, of course. But for the next couple of years, this is going to be looked at as a really bad draft move by the Green Bay Packers, and it should be, because you're not you for a team that's in contention for a Super Bowl is not competing for a Super Bowl right there. Uh, but I'm going to take the New York Giants. Uh, they were going to be either the winner or the loser for me. Uh, the fact is, you know, I don't hate their draft. Uh, but if you draft Andrew Thomas and you're not trading down when you take what I think is the third or fourth best offensive player and you don't trade down to at least Jacksonville of nine or you're not considering trading down even further than that, uh, you can't tell that your value isn't there when it comes to the trades. Of course it was there. If your value was Andrew Thomas, you already can consider moving down a huge spot considering where even Christian Wirth, uh go, and I consider him like the second best offensive player uh, that was uh tackle in the, the draft, and he goes 13th. So you, you could have massively traded down. You could have really considered moving all over this draft, um, and there was going to be players available for you. Uh, so I think that's already a big mistake. I did like the uh, Xavier McKinley uh, getting the safety in the second round for the Giants. I think that was a good move. But, you know, the Lions and Giants, they usually should have been trading down. And when the Giants respond with not even taking what I consider a top 10 pick in the first round, you automatically are going to lose right off the bat for not trading and going that far back. Uh, let's talk about the other New York team for a moment, the Jets. Uh, how did you think the Jets did? You know, I think it's interesting. The um, To me, I was very interested in seeing what the Jets were going to do. Um, you know, you have a scenario where they have a lot of needs for a team that I think that can compete in the AFC East. Um, I think they needed a wide receiver. They needed an offensive lineman. And I wanted them to go get C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. I wanted them to get a, a, a dynamic wide receiver, one of the top ones. Um but I also can't argue with what they did there. Um, my question is, I do question the choice a little bit. Um, to me, Makai was, you know, if, if you thought Andrew, you know, if you thought the Giants lineman was the third best in the draft, I thought this guy was the fourth best, especially with Tristan Wirfs um, still around. Um, had Willis been there, I would have loved for them to see him to take Willis. Um, but the fact that they didn't choose Wirfs instead, to me, diminished the pick a little bit. I'm not going to argue with the offensive line choice. They need to protect. Uh, Sam Darnold for years to come. They need to make sure Le'Veon Bell has space to operate in the limited window that he has left. Um, but I do like what the Jets did because they didn't just pick an offensive lineman and then forget about the wide receiver position. They came back and they took Mims in the second round. I'm a big fan of Mims. Um, I think he's a dynamic player as well, too. And I think the Jets were smart. They played it really smart. They could have had a great you know, star wide receiver, or you can get your offensive lineman, who at that point, you know, the, the list was starting to dwindle down, and you know, make sure you get a wide receiver within the next pick. And they did. Um, and I think Joe Douglas deserves a lot of credit. I think it was a pretty solid draft all around, but I think they knocked out their two biggest needs with their first two picks. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think really for, uh, Beto, that his, uh, scouting reports and how he did, uh, when we saw the, uh, running the 440, uh, as far as an offensive lineman time, I think that was impressive. Uh, that that pretty much reasons why I put him at third uh, over Thomas on that part. But I, I think the Jets, you know, did everything that they had it yet. Uh, it was talks about first round, they have to go either offensive line or a wide receiver. 
and it's rare that we've we've talked offensively about the Jets and needing those positions, and that's where they take in the first round. But they had to either protect Sam Darnold or give him someone to throw for. They did exactly that. They protected him first, and then in the second round, they give him someone to throw to. And, and I really think that's a lot of credit to a team all in on their quarterback, all in on wanting to see the, um, him succeed first and really try and put all the pieces with him. You know, you may not have gotten anything in free agency for him, but you go into the draft, you get this offensive help for him, you go in, you get a wide receiver for him. The year prior, you add Le'Veon Bell. So I really like the fact that the Jets are making all of the useful pieces for Sam Darnold, who, you know, easily could have been who was third in the draft when he was taken, could have even gone higher than that. And, you know, again, there's always going to be that, almost that New York debate, like whether the Giants should have taken Darnold or not. With that, that's pretty much going to wrap up episode 58. Uh, Jose, do you have any final thoughts before we bid adieu? Uh, You know, the UFC is tirelessly trying to uh, put events on right now. They have scheduled May 9th as a possible pay-per-view card, as well as two other events in the week after. Uh, Florida has sort of reopened somewhat. You know, always count on Florida. Um, So whether you agree with that or not, the UFC is still trying to put on events from Florida, at least for now. Um, so if you are interested, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje should be an amazing fight. Fingers crossed. Nothing happens between now and May 9th. But Mickey Mouse got in the way last time. I am not holding my breath that this is going to work out. I think it's one of those things where it's I'll believe it when I see it. I know we heard about some NBA teams possibly opening up their training facilities. That got pushed back because the Atlanta Hawks did not agree. And apparently there's people saying that we will have baseball this season. Again, I'm not sure the details, and at this point, Nick, I think a lot of it is I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> uh, final thoughts for me is just, you know, everybody continue to stay safe. Uh, do your best with social distancing, even as some of the states are lighting up on reopening uh, as soon as they can. You know, let's not protest this. <laughs> uh, just keep the social distancing. Uh, try and, for the most part, stay home if you can. And thank you so much to all of the essential workers and, of course, uh, our nurses and doctors that are continuously working so hard uh, to help everyone in recovery. And once again, I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. Thank you so much for listening to Sarasso and the Beard podcast. Make sure to check out all the podcasts on the S&D podcast channel.